Okay, welcome back. Uh, today I want to continue reading uh, Sutta Nipata, particularly Padana Sutta, Part 3. I never thought that this would go on so long, but actually it's really... Or this is not Sutta, not Part 3, this is uh, Part 3 of Sutta, of Padana Sutta, Class 35. Uh, so... This is going to go on <laughs> indefinitely, and uh, yet the more I go into it, the more I find valuable teaching, and then I try to consider how it can apply to non-monastic, non-yogis, or quasi-yogic uh, non-monastics like us, not uh, aiming for complete and perfect liberation and uh, complete defeat of Mara, or uh, all distorting tendencies, distorted tendencies or craving and clinging uh, in this single one lifetime, how it can apply to us in basically the continued process of healing and balance and development of love, wisdom, uh, and spiritual balance, clear spiritual awareness and knowing, right? The development of green, blue, indigo, fourth, fifth, sixth chakra, versus the complete or greater healing of blockages in the lower triad. So that's the great work. And that's, uh, you know, in line with Ra saying uh, the purpose of uh, third density of incarnation in third density is to learn the ways of love, which is a fourth ray gateway, which opens... Uh, to wisdom and spiritual awareness, right? Fifth and sixth chakra, uh, as well as supports the healing of all kinds of uh, psychological, emotional conflict, distorted self self image, um, imprinted pain that needs to be released. So it's all of the same work. Now we're uh, looking at the ramifications of. Uh, Padana Sutta, which is about Padana, which is effort or exertion. Uh, the setting written by Tanasaro is the ten armies of Mara approached the Bodhisattva or Gautama before he became a Buddha in an unex- unsuccessful attempt to lure him from his meditation seat. So Mahavaga, third chapter of the great chapter, third uh, of Sutta Nipata, second Sutta Padana, uh, last time I went somewhat exhaustively through uh, a, a description or commentary on those ten armies, uh, whether you see them as astral entities or an astral entity, or simply uh, tendencies that, number one, would have, um, pr- that, that had Gautama succumbed to, surrendered to, he would have not been able to attain complete and perfect liberation or these are uh, multi-stage obstructions, defilements, blockages, distortions, attachments, tendencies that will keep us from greater freedom, clarity, joy, and green, blue, indigo. Right? These are the blockages that keep us uh, stuck in the lower or stuck. And so uh, I can't go through them all as I did last time, but they are progressive, so first, we're talking about, this is from the Wisdom Lib page, uh, Great Chronicle of Buddhas from the uh, great man Vingun Sayadaw, 
objects of sensuality, as I said, also it associates very much with attachment to um, relationship and um, being loved or liked. It's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's attachment to, craving for, blockages associated with, uh, the natural desire to be loved and liked, uh, sociality, relationship, and then all sorts of uh, attachments to physical body conditions. That then ha- goes to the second, or having surmounted that, one might be trapped in the second, which would be aversion and dissatisfaction, while uh, one can let go of some of the worldly, physical, emotional, social, interpersonal attachments. One can be stuck in uh, aversion to the renunciate condition, to the release and anger at people who are doing things that we no longer quite really want to do, but um, have some kind of uh, um, after <laughs> aftershock or after uh, afterglow of resentment uh, that we no longer do what we did that they're still doing, uh, and a dissatisfaction with standing alone. Then... Uh, the third is uh, associated with um, thirst and hunger, and that's uh, conditions uh, in Gautama's case, of course, of following austere yogic practice or meditation and going beyond aversion to the renunciate condition, or for us, beyond aversion to standing alone. Some of the conditions of standing alone <clears throat> uh, leaving us hungry, emotionally hungry for love, for sex, for companionship, for community, that's possible. And so the pain of um, rightly going our own way is similar uh, to this third army. And so then uh, going beyond that um, uh, fall associated with um, the very real, perhaps material or emotional or interpersonal deficiencies of standing alone and going our own way, there may be weariness. Then beyond that, there's sloth and torpor, which is number five, which is really um, a rejection. It's um, a def- defeat, a deflation. The the extremity of weariness becomes a kind of depression. Then, if one could surpass that, <clears throat> um, there may well be actually fear. And so the sixth army is biru. In Japan it means beer, but it's not here, beer. It's fear. Fear, not beer. And shaken with fright, with trembling hearts, they mistake a tree stump for an elephant or a tiger for an ogre. So don't mistake a tiger for an ogre or a mm, piece of rope for a snake. Uh, fear, when when one gets beyond um, weariness or depressive affect in mind and comes back to balance um, on the stream or crossing the ocean alone or standing alone and walking through our life and accepting, I gotta save myself, nobody else can. Relationship didn't, doesn't save me and trifling pleasures or this and that or social admiration, don't save me, I still got pain in this mind, 
oh my god, um, now what? What am I going to face? Now, if one gets beyond that fear, Seventh Army as doubt, like, not, and, and the write-up from Mingun is that they're not certain whether they're positively on the path or not, both in practice and theory. So, okay, I'm not stuck in fear. I accept that I need to... Uh, it's right that I let go of what I've let go of, in some case, for sure. There, there's the case of wrongly <laughs> letting go, and that's another matter, but rightly renouncing, right renunciation, uh, <clears throat> with uh, going beyond the fear of what am I going to face, and how will I do it, and can I do it, there may be some doubt. Am I even on the right way? Uh, and was I right? Am I right to be living this way? So, I mean, you know, any one of these are topics for extended discussion, but um, uh, I have to prioritize quantity, uh, as Heraclitus said, uh, digging up lots of dirt to find gold, but this is uh, <laughs> digging through the treasures of gold uh, to present um, um, certain quality of, of precious gems and jewels, diamonds, rubies, emeralds of teaching of truth. So beyond doubt, if one can get... You see, that the, the doubt is a funny one because in some ways we can't really be sure we are right or on the right way except for the consequences of continuing this way. It's a very important point. How do I know I'm right or this is the right way? Be particularly, I mean, opinion is one thing, but my putting into practice the theory or beliefs and views that I hold, how do I know that's the right way? Well, by the consequences. By their fruit shall ye know them. By the by positive consequences of certain views put into practice. Living in certain ways in accord with certain views, like Panchashila, like Buddhist practice, like uh, understanding the raw material or um, you know Nichinanda's teachings, whatever. How do I know the view and the theory is correct when I apply them by the consequences of application? How am I now? As Ed Koch said, how am I doing? Well, how am I doing? Well, if one finds that one is a, in a better way than before in the continuing application of the teachings and the views that we are believing may well be true and, and valuable, that's how we know that those views are correct, by the positive consequences of their application. It's very important. And in fact, that's how truth is determined as to be true, is that put into practice, it's, um, it, it, it makes greater harmony and balance and well-being. Then, if we get beyond doubt, uh, some keep on putting efforts uninterruptedly day and night, then they get signs. Now, this is very particularly of meditation, but it's also about spiritual path or life path for spiritually oriented folks. We get some right ear tones. <laughs> we get some higher self visions. We get some uh, premonitions. We discover things that are super hidden by our own intuitive process. Then, <laughs> getting stuck in the Eighth Army, defeated by the Eighth Army, Arrogance and haughtiness sets in. They do not accord others their rightful place. Well, you know, no matter what magical signs or intuitive psychic realizations or 
um, even amazing synchronicities that, that seem to be blessings and gifts come to us. Others have that too, some others, and some or countless others are beyond us, ahead of us on the path. And, that, and you know, uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And even people that are around us that we can see are totally distorted in some sense may know things we don't know that are important. They may be able to handle certain things that we don't do very well with. And so not according others their rightful place is a big um, blockage for those with some accomplishment. And that is they destroy their good reputation. They give no respects to their elders. They display overbearingness to them. Don't be a 25-year-old narcissist. <laughs> people say, okay, boomer. Well, what am I going to say? Okay, millennial. People talk this way. <laughs> Very silly. Well, give respect to people who deserve respect. And appreciate truth wherever it is. And some people who are older than us, as well as those beyond us on the path, we ought to listen to. That's the key to discernment, as Gautama said. Karmic basis of discernment is uh, consistently going to the wise and worthy, meaning they have greater knowledge and understanding and virtue, and asking for guidance or seeking their guidance and then, you know, contemplating it. So don't display overbearingness. Don't be a dumbo narcissist. Not that you people are, of course, but we can see some around who are 30-year-olds and they think that they're fully finished with the path. That's very silly. Then, if one surmounts that ninth army, we have the tenth, various forms of craving and conceit. Pleased and elated to have an abundance of gifts. Pleased and elated to witness the spread of their fame to all four quarters. Pleased and elated to receive some marvelous gains that nobody else has ever come across, so they think. Pleased and elated with fame and followers. And here it's wrongly acquired from peach preaching of false doctrines and unjust boastfulness. But actually, there's the preaching or talking about truth, like raw material or Buddhism or any source, that one seeks um, to uh, exploit for personal gain, for fame and, and uh, fortune. Any attachment to fame and fortune is of tanha manha, the craving for conceit, the conceited craving or craving of conceitedness, that actually... Um, comes with that that is common um, here is the ninth army uh, as a a consequence of right accomplishment um, being able to have clarity or being very much working in integration of mind spirit uh, still there are blockages yes indeed and if you're not omniscient omnipotent and omnipotent you're not finished not you you know everybody's listening who's listening except for the occasional pissy down voters. Actually, I'm sure everybody's doing really well. And um, whoever's here, I applaud you, actually. Because this is difficult stuff. And, and I don't want to water it down, and I don't. As uh, Charlie Mingus said, straight no chaser. Right, straight no chaser. <laughs> this is straight no chaser. But I have to say, yes, it's not drama, it's dama. As somebody told me, it's true. It's a good line, it's a good line. So, um, no drama. <laughs> Hopefully this is Dhamma. And uh, straight no chaser. And um, it's great that, that whoever here appreciates this, appreciates this. Uh, I, I applaud you. Not because of me. Because of it. 
that Dhamma here that I'm trying to share. It's not me. It's teaching. It's not a personal matter. And so it's totally common that people with some real spiritual attainment get stuck in the, get defeated by the ninth army, Tanhamana, and that's the eighth fetter, conceit. Very common. So only a, only an Arahan has, has broken that one. Then we have the tenth, para, uh, Paravambana, and the other, <clears throat> Atukamsana, uh, self-praise and honor, <laughs> where you don't even need others, but you're just uh, self-contained, um, spiritually grandiose. <laughs> that's, again, that's only broken at the end of the path. So, now, if we look at the page on Wisdom Lib, four definitions uh, or four right efforts, samapadana, right? The sixth stage of the Eightfold Path. So we're talking about the Eightfold Path, the Padana Sutta, where Gautama defeats, shows his defeat, or realize, you know, he defeats the ten armies, and and you know finishes the last two fetter, the last three fetters, which is Tanamana or conceit, and restlessness, and final uh, essential. Avidya ignorance, uh, gone beyond um, all forms of craving for subjectivity, or um, uh, spiritual grandiose identity. Beyond that uh, is because uh, along the way he excelled in the four right efforts or perfected these um, forms of, of right right exertion, right effort. And so the four are critical, and this is um, whether one's sitting under the Bodhi tree, <laughs> fighting Mara, or walking through daily life in this very disturbed social complex, um, the four forms of right effort uh, is are critical. So there, and I talked about this before, and I'll just briefly get into it further, uh, the four efforts are the effort to avoid, the effort to overcome, the effort to develop, and the effort to maintain. Now, those words are not great, or they're relative, and they could be replaced with others. The effort to avoid is to avoid or not acquire so-called unwholesome states. All unwholesome states... Um, are very much associated with grasping and aversion, uh, associated particularly with physical phenomena, including people and relationship. And so, um, if, if one gets upset seeing something, one might choose to take a look less often. Now, there may be a need to see something and uh, in, uh, inquire then one simply has to understand that it's likely I won't be able to avoid uh, being triggered into a distortion like anger or uh, grasping. Meaning, whenever I think of my uh, girlfriend who jilted me, uh, I feel grief uh, like a a, a gut-wrenching pain. Whenever I look at events of the world today, I feel disgust and or grief and helplessness and fear. So one option is to look 
less in that direction. Another option is, I want to know, and I know I'll be triggered. So then, when I'm triggered, one, one considers the second of the four right efforts, which is overcome, which is not a great word. Here, with the Buddhist perspective for the monk, number two, this is the monk doesn't retain any thought of sensual lust or any other evil, unwholesome states that may have arisen. He abandons them, dispels them, destroys them, causes them to disappear. This is called the effort to overcome. Overcome, Ra said, is no good. <laughs> they were talking to Don about his uh, idea of overcoming desires. And Ra said, you know, um, the purpose of third density is to experience all things desired. That is not a Buddhist approach. Okay? Let's consider other views. Let's consider multiple views, and you choose for yourself what's best for you. That's called the mature approach. And so I don't think overcoming is the great word, is the best word here, but it means when I'm stuck, I, when, when, I, I want to know when I'm stuck. I want to know when I'm stuck in grasping an aversion, or uh, when I'm stuck in uh, anger, hatred, frustration, irritation. I want to know when I'm stuck in desire, grief, sorrow, discouragement, or fear, or helplessness, or confusion. I want to know when I'm stuck. Okay. And it's inevitable that we go through life and get triggered um, into those distorted mental emotional uh, conditions, right? The asravas, the distorted mental flow of one sort or another, all associated with lower triad blockage. Sure. Okay. The problem is not getting stuck. The problem is staying stuck. <laughs> the problem is not lower triad blockage. The problem is maintaining them. And so we can avoid certain things or activities that we know are triggering or we know are unhelpful. Just because it's triggering doesn't mean it's unhelpful. <laughs> that's another discernment. There may be what's necessary that's triggering, and I'm going to be triggered, and I'm going to feel aversion or grief or self-pity or self-hatred or fear or powerlessness. Then what? Well, that's what I'm going to talk about later <laughs> in today, if we can. Uh, the seven factors of awakening used to uh, heal bipolarity. Bipolarity, akin to bipolar personality disorder, or bipolar condition of mind, akin to manic, manic depressed, manic depressive, akin to too much and too little um, uh, grandiosity, idealization, overcharged mind, mania, um, which is very common to anger and aversion, versus depressive, um, deflated, uh, devaluing, uh, depressed, discouraged, all the words with D, as Hilarion would know. And so the antidotes for one way of looking at Buddhist treatment to cure or help us work through bipolarity of excess deficiency will be the seven factors of awakening. And so, how to overcome or how to abandon and dispel, let's just say, causing to disappear distortions, mental emotional distortions that have arisen. Uh, one method is an understanding of the seven factors of awakening, which I'll get into very soon. Then, what is the effort to develop? Number three, develop what? Well, it's to develop 
in this case, it's very much acquire and internalize the seven factors of enlightenment. <laughs> and that's where we get an introduction. So the more we acquire and then maintain, right, third and fourth forms of right effort, uh, uh, developing to me seems like um, not acquiring because uh, third is really in building um, that we haven't made yet and yet we all have some development uh, some acquisition some uh, capacity and some experience with all these wholesome states seven elements of enlightenment bojanga uh, and so maybe it's appropriate to say develop but the third form of effort here really means acquire but what are they so the monk develops the factors of enlightenment these are seven bent on solitude detachment on extinction and ending in deliverance now that's the whole buddhist path actually meaning one must make renunciation and detachment from what's unnecessary and harmful and that keeps developing and becoming subtle along the way that renunciation is associated with then mm, walking alone, standing alone, walking alone, living, even when not alone physically, um, being increasingly um, emotionally self-sufficient, increasingly uh, self-reflective, not thinking necessarily all the time, obviously, but uh, knowing that uh, the kingdom of heaven is within. <laughs> That's why solitude is the um, the condition of all who seek complete and perfect enlightenment. Buddhist, Hindu, <laughs> Jain, um, mm, Sufi, everywhere, Christian. I mean, they, you know, off to the desert, off to the forest, off to the to the ashram, even uh, solitude as the path because the kingdom of heaven is within because what what we are what i is is what i seek i seek what i is and that's ultimately um realization of true nature and identity with source that's associated with detachment obviously extinction me the ending of what's harmful and then deliverance meaning free of all blockage are craving and clinging and ignorance, desire, rebirth, becoming, the ending of the thirst for becoming. <laughs> uh, so, these seven factors, mindfulness, investigation of the law, energy, rapture, tranquility, concentration, equanimity. This is called the effort to develop. And um, the effort to maintain was basically... <laughs> very much associated with a a certain dutanga ascetic practice of going to the going to the charnel ground or visualizing in meditation a corpse infested by worms a corpse blue black in color a festering corpse mm, a corpse riddled with holes a corpse swollen up this is called the effort to maintain maintain what <laughs> a horror movie no it's the effort to maintain uh, they said a favorable object of concentration. You mean concentrate on those? Yeah, some people did. That's a certain ascetic practice. It certainly cuts attachment. It certainly cuts craving. It certainly <laughs> leads to a desire uh, to um, not attach. Um, but uh, in other terms, 
the fourth of the right efforts, maintain wholesome states, doesn't need that, of course. It's a very interesting that that's just put in. It's really continue with the seven factors and continue developing them. Now, when we look at, as a uh, intermission, intermezzo, uh, in the middle of Padana Sutta, in reply to Mara, before going through the ten armies, uh, Gautama says, in me are conviction, austerity, persistence, discernment. And I just wanted to put that out there. These qualities, conviction, austerity, persistent discernment, are critical. And if you haven't noticed, this is um, sort of an advanced presentation, a presentation of advanced Buddhist self-training. Advanced Buddhist self-training is not only uh, follow your breath, or panchashila, and right speech, right action, um, the forms of right speech, understanding and practicing, and um, knowing the theory, but also the development of positive qualities. Buddhist mind training as the rejection of evil and development of good, or the four forms of right effort. Um, critical stuff. And um, when I studied Buddhism initially in late high school in my 20s, I never got into such detail. And um, uh, I guess it took me 30 years to be ready for it. This is pretty strong medicine. <laughs> Conviction means faith and, and faith and resolution of doubt in the theory and our practice. Austerity is the renunciation and detachment, right renunciation detachment from what we don't need, mentally, emotionally, physically, interpersonally, socially. Persistence is you stay with it. And discernment is <laughs> core to the whole thing. I mean, it's really, there's no eightfold path without the first, with, without, you know, the eightfold path as the eight samas. And begins with right view, sama. Uh, samaditi, and again there are different translations, but I think samaditi as right view is critical you can't even have a right view without discernment and yet um, the only way we know that view is right is by the application of the view, the practice of the theory, theory and practice the theory is the view the practice is its application the consequences determine how well we're doing how well the view is really you know, and that's like people ask, "How do you know the raw material is true? How do I know it's better than Bashar?" Well, if you love Bashar, that's great. If somebody loves Bashar, that's great. If they love Abraham Hicks, that's great. Whatever you love, it's good, so long as it's helping you. And if you feel it's helping you, great. Okay, I'm on your side. Whatever's good is good. And yet, there are levels of teaching. There are <laughs> dimensions there are chakras, and there is a difference between uh, violet and yellow. Mm. And so there, are, there is differentiation of vibratory frequencies. There, is, there are people who are six foot five, and there are people who are uh, three foot seven. Okay, that's called height. So some people are taller. That doesn't mean better. It means there is a scale of the development of qualities of mind. There is a scale. There are scales of um, progression, of sequence, of 
of levels of um, of any um, qualities development, and discernment is one of them. Some people really do have clear discernment more than others. Some people were not surprised at all when certain things happen, and other people were shocked and go into a, a, a breakdown. Well, there's a difference there. Of course you know that. So, likewise, there are, there are levels of teaching, and it doesn't mean we should even have the highest level or something, whatever that might be. It means we should do what's right for us. Yes, but don't tell me they're the same level. If you, if you like this source and it helps you, more power to you. But don't tell me it's of the same level if I think you can tell me. <laughs> but I may think you're wrong. That's all. There's a difference between violet and yellow. There's a difference between indigo and green. They're not better or worse, but there's a difference. Likewise, it's only by discernment. <clears throat> Which is really, again, the application of view to personal private life, personal life, the personal application of theory and view, and you see what the consequences are. That's how we can discern what's higher, greater, more valuable, or where the views that we should uh, continue developing and the practices that are helpful. And so, when we talked about this, uh, looking into this third aspect of samapadana, right effort, uh, the third was what to develop and we can say acquire, inbuild, and develop. The seven factors of awakening were listed on the Wikipedia page, which is not so bad. Seven factors of awakening. Uh, the uh, seven bodhanga, or sapta, sata bodhanga, bodhianga, again, enlightenment factors. Uh, we can look at two sets and the <clears throat> division is that mine, uh, I'll, uh, there's a quote in the middle of the page in the section Sutta Pitaka uh, called the Bhikkhu Sutta where Gautama explains it uh, it's point eight it's actually from the fire discourse um, Agi Sutta translated uh, by who? Make Bhikkhubodhi did this translation. In the Samutta Nikaya's fire discourse, the Buddha identifies that mindfulness, which is one of the seven, sati, is, quote, always useful. Okay. So that's the heart. That's the heart wood of the seven factors, mindfulness. Then, while, when one's mind is, and here we go on, uh, the treatment of uh, depression. <laughs> the treatment of low energy deficiency conditions. When one's mind is sluggish, one should develop one by mindfulness, then one should develop the enlightenment factors of investigation, energy, and joy. And in fact, that's a proper order. When one's mind is excited, <clears throat> the manic, overcharged, over triggered, triggered even condition, one should develop the enlightenment factors of tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. Actually, um, everybody, I mean, honestly, if you hadn't noticed the Buddhist critiques, critics here, if there are any, uh, different teachers translate the same Bali words with very different English translations. And different Buddhist teachers and commentators put different emphasis on different um, applications of a particular teaching. Some people interpret um, 
the words in, in certain ways, and then other other translations seem to be quite opposite. Like some people would not say it's an effort to overcome, but but an effort to release. And so uh, there are different orderings and different translations and different emphases of different Buddhist teachers, all of whom are many of whom are way beyond my understanding, and yet there is disagreement <laughs> within the community of. Buddhist uh, Buddhist masters and teachers about all these things. Actually, there's a lot of subtle, fine, fine level disagreement and and different translations. So, likewise, in the translation of the seven factors, in the understanding of the seven factors, and in the application of the seven factors to the conditions that I would call bipolar, uh, too much, too little. Uh, keep that in mind. The next section, Abhidhamma and Commentarial Literature, right, from Visuddhimagga, uh, Buddha Gosha, identifies Bojangas in the following fashion. Strong mindfulness is needed in all instances. Boom. Okay, so the critical, and it's very similar to uh, Fourth Chakra, right? No matter what kind of working we're doing in healing and balance and continued development, learning, growing, helping, uh, love is critical on the positive path. Likewise, mindfulness is critical on the positive path. And in fact, the secret here is that sati is prema. Mm, sati is love. Mindfulness is love. Mindfulness is green ray. Mm, sati is anahata chakra. The, the fine, in my view, in my view, <laughs> the fine development or the heart of anahata, fourth chakra, anahata chakra or chakra, fourth chakra, is sati. It's unconditional acceptance with care. What is mindfulness? Non-grasping attentiveness. Right? Non-grasping, not falling into grasping and aversion. Watching, being with, allowing, not manipulating, attending to, non-grasping attentiveness. Is that different than true love, unconditional love? You know, love is unconditional. If it's conditional, it's not love. What is green ray? What is love? <laughs> it's an important question, right? What is true? <clears throat> Do you love truth? What is love? Well, as far as I can tell, um, love is unconditional acceptance with care. But it's not an acceptance. It's it's dualistic in that there's a sense of subject-object, but it's right on the edge of non-duality, or it's um, it has the, the, the aroma of non-duality, because when there's full acceptance of an object, like thoughts and feelings and sensations or others or process by an apparent subject, right? So the an apparent selfhood or identity is apparently <laughs> experiencing uh, unconditional allowance, acceptance, being with an apparent other uh, object, set of objects or flow or system or process of object progression. When that's really well-developed, is there a difference between the seer and the scene? No, actually. And one may realize, oh, the scene is the seer. The seer is the scene. In fact, it's a little bit higher, I think, to say, to, to know, to have experience that the scene is the seer. The outer is the inner. The inner is the outer. That's straight ahead um, realized with development of sati. Four to six. Mm the linkage between four and six. 
So, strong mindfulness is needed in all instances. Love is needed on the positive path in all instances. And it's important to know what that means. Then, when his mind is slack with overlaxness of energy, low energy or depressive, including grief, he should develop these three enlightenment factors beginning with investigation of states. So, bang. The ordering is absolutely correct in my, at least I believe. (laughs) You can't say that he's correct. You can really say, I think he's correct because I agree. I agree and I think that's correct. Who knows? Another teacher may say it differently. But it seems to me that, yeah, um, first we have investigation of states, then um, we'll find that energy develops, and then one may move to pitti, joy or rapture. And that's also been translated by different people different ways. Pitti, as where the mind goes or what is developed when one, using mindfulness, realizes, wow, I'm really stuck, I'm really down, I really feel um, hopeless, I really feel dull or dead, I don't care. Uh, In that weakened, defeated, deflated, collapsed condition, uh, first we recognize that's what's happening. (laughs) Oh, I am this way, aren't I? Uh, I'm down. I've been down a long time. And then by that investigate, by that awareness, which is, which is what mindfulness uh, allows to be perceived, there's investigation, which could be, you know, what's going on here? Well, it's physical, mental. Um, it's feeling in the body a certain set of sensations or qual- you know, qualities of sensation or body feeling, as well as mind thoughts. What about what? Well, I feel, and then it's the complexity of the thinking about whatever it is that's associated with feeling depressed and um, discouraged and defeated. That investigation itself generates energy, and it takes energy to do. I mean, it's considered in psychotherapy that uh, depression is much harder to handle than certain other kinds of emotional conflict. It's harder to get, and in Buddhism too, the of the three states, the, of the three poison temperaments, right? Grasping, aversion, ignorance, uh, grasping as desire, greedy, hungry, salivating, and aversion as hatred, irritability, frustration, pissiness, just sort of a sour mind, and uh, ignorance, which in many ways is associated with this overlaxness of energy, meaning deficit of energy, meaning depressed mind, sloth and torpor, weariness. The hardest personality temperament or temperament of personality associated with the third, which is ignorance or weariness and sloth and torpor and depressive mind, that's the hardest person to get awakened. That person takes the slowest, takes the longest time, is slowest to achieve satipana, because low energy needs more energy to make release and breakthrough or to have discernment and see and then move towards uh, joy, rapture or tranquility so that's um, treatment of or an approach to low energy conditions then quote, when the mind is agitated the other side, through over energeticness so even translations are weird here meaning uh, hyper hyperactivity <laughs> hyperactive mind-body. Then he should develop these other three enlightenment factors beginning with tranquility. And so in the section below called meditation, 
Um, yes, the seven factors of awakening pertain to meditation practice, but they also pertain to living in daily life, walking through the world with this mind, with a mind that has process. And no doubt, um, uh, low states are well approached by three of the enlightenment factors and ex hyperactive states of mind-body are well addressed by the other three, while mindfulness is necessary all the time to figure out what's going on and um, know where we are and how to rebalance. And so in my perspective, uh, in this little box here on the Wikipedia page, Balancing Enlightenment Factors and Hindrances, uh, on the on the top, to be used when experiencing sloth and torpor or weariness or depressive affect in mind-body, uh, I would say number one is investigation, like what's going on here? And that's just a deeper, uh, that the, it's a sort of a thought-based mindfulness. Well, mindfulness sati itself is not particularly thinking, it's seeing and cognizing, is seeing and kind of perceiving. It's a first level touching, I think. Then there's investigation, which is cognitive, conceptual, which is what's going on here. That itself generates energy. And that itself, um, over time, may lead to some release and releasing of the, or, or movement back towards a, a comfortable, more comfortable energy level of mind body or basic condition of mind body that's not depressed anymore. And that then may associate with pitti or joy or rapture. The joy or rapture is really. <laughs> I mean, some people call it, uh, some trans some Buddhists, masters, beyond me, some of them translate it as physical pleasure. Others would say it's um, a certain kind of bliss. Well, bliss is not, is the summit of physical pleasure. It's very physical because it's in the body. But you, you, one doesn't always get to bliss in meditation. I mean, these, you know, these, these guys do, but we don't, or not everyone does. And, um, in, in terms of the application to just depressive affect, we can't hope for coming out of depression and ending up in joy. But it might happen. But certainly there can be deep well-being when one really knows what's, what are the causes of this depressed condition. And that's part of, that comes with investigation. And this is, again, um, if you can't see through it, you got to see it through. Uh, that that uh, that division, uh, knowing when we're in a depressed, discouraged condition, looking into it with love <laughs> and mindfulness and care and discernment, um, we may actually find um, the stone is taken off our heart and um, the cloud above the head dissipates and there is a deeper uh, well-being. Very much like 2150, the phrase, um, the measure of mind's evolution is its ability to accept the unacceptable. There may The, the depressive affect condition uh, may not be simply, uh, I'm tired after six hours of meditation, but more so, I feel tired living in this world. I feel tired of human ignorance, which is vast and unending, actually. And I, I feel weary being in this pl on this planet 
when I know there's so much better life above and around us. I'm weary. I feel that. Absolutely. And then I know I chose to be here. And then I know that the Logos is watching. And then I know that this too shall pass. Uh, and I feel a little joy with that. Watch No Solar. <laughs> Listen to Nityananda. Right? Uh, Saturn, Saturn is there, but God is here too, as he said. So, um, it doesn't take away, and even he said, uh, even a great man about Gandhi can't do everything. And so Gandhi did his great work, according to Nityananda's perspective. And yet, India was partitioned, and Muslim-Hindu warfare has been going on for 50 years, or 70. Hmm. Pretty bad. Seeing all that, one may well feel weary and depressed and discouraged. Yeah. Uh, the more you know, the more you may feel sad. I mean, really, it's a big mess today, if you hadn't noticed, and it's probably going to get worse um, at the 3D physical plane. So, how do, we, how do we go to joy from that? You can't follow your bliss. There ain't no bliss in deep observation of the social complex today. Uh, what is the ground for hope? Well, keep the big picture. So, then, on the other side, we have mania, or how to work with um, restlessness, worry, uh, anxiety, uh, overcharged mind-body, as well as uh, aversion. Aversion could be anger, aversion, irritability, frustration, um, pissy-mindedness, sour pussiness, pussy meaning mind, pussy mind, not sour puss is like a mouth, not, not anything sexual. <clears throat> that, that kind of sourpuss, um, pissy mind people. Or when we get that way, right? It's common. It happens. <laughs> Let's not be fake. Let's be real. How to deal with that is akin to how to deal with um, restlessness and worry. It's over, these are, it's, aversion could be considered an, ex, an overcharged energy state. Just like grief and sorrow and weariness are uh, undercharged or depressed um, energy states. And so how to handle that? Um, what's the sequence? Well, it seems to me um, mm, equanimity is the end of it. Uh, I would say it is relaxation, concentration, equanimity. And meaning we have to realize first with mindfulness, which is a kind of discernment or leads to this investigation I think is necessary is okay, <laughs> I'm a little bit too uh, wired here. Uh, this mind is not well. And, um, okay, I got triggered. Okay, I want to be free of it. I'm stuck. I want to be unstuck. I want to let go what's unnecessary. This frustration, anger, irritability. Uh, okay. <laughs> take a time out. Take a break. Take a drink. Take a walk. Take a sour. Take a sleep. Uh, change the attention of your focus redirect attention to something that's not associated with continuing triggering the irritability. Take a break. Take a time out. That's akin to a kind of um, relaxation, but it's very, it also goes into concentration. And again, this was th these seven factors were particularly about meditation. And so, return to the object of concentration, which in daily life is return to a non-triggering object of concentration or focus. 
uh, move, change your focus. And uh, also, it's useful to have a big view, like this too shall pass. And um, uh, endless anger is futile. Irritability is bad for you and me. Um, uh, better to let you keep talking and talking and talking rather than keep interrupting uh, because I see you're not listening. Or, it's enough of me letting you talk, it's time for me to leave. Thank you, I need to leave. Uh, in the face of our triggered irritability uh, at their monologuing. Or something like that. One of many, many cases. So, if it's crooked, I leave it alone. If um, I'm continually triggered, uh, I will move away because I can't be here peacefully or clearly or I'm unable. Fine. Fine. And so I'll come back later. And that can be also a person that irritates us. It could be a situation um, to which we reply with aversion. Like, you know, humanity is so <laughs> stupid or the leadership is so terribly wicked. I mean, they're such, you know, <laughs> such lousy souls, really. I mean, and that's God, the faces of God. Mmm, okay. I mean, the Logos lets it ride. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in any case, uh, I think that we can see <laughs> uh, mind, go mind can be triggered to states of excitation or depression. There are multiple ways of handling them, or through mindfulness and discernment, returning to balance, seeking balance. And balance is um, critical, right? When there's healing, there's balance, or as healing develops, there's greater balance. And the balance is a bigger perspective, as well as um, focusing on what's helpful, rather than focusing on what has brought us to the triggering, has led to the triggering into uh, depression, weariness, or anxiety, irritability. And you got to find your own way. Everybody's got to find their own way and how to apply these teachings uh, practically. Then, <laughs> as if that's not enough, uh, we have Bodhipakyadama. Dhamma, Bodhi, Pakya Dhamma, Bodhi, enlightenment. Pakya um, actually would be um, uh, related to Dhamma. So more Bodhi Dhamma, not Bodhi Dharma, but factors of mind or uh, mental qualities in self-training, one that, that supports movement towards enlightenment or transformation of seven rays or healing and balance or development of green blue indigo love wisdom peace equanimity clarity loving kindness right and discernment and loving kindness is another way of saying wisdom and love wisdom and compassion critical critical so in poly commentaries this is the last link the um, wikipedia write-up of bodhipakyadama <coughs> Qualities conducive or related to awakening, bodhi. Seven sets of qualities. So you thought that uh, the uh, seven factors of awakening uh, <laughs> is where it ends. No, it just goes on and on. There's actually a book called the Buddhist, uh, the Big Buddhist Book of Lists, and these are some of those lists, or these are some 
lists in that big book. Uh, and so we've got seven sets of qualities that are um, a total of 37 individual qualities within seven sets. Uh, what's very important here is that it, it's this is um, deep an analysis. Uh, in there's there's a the first paragraph here, thirty uh, seven sets of thirty seven qualities. In the Pali Canon's Bhavana Yutta, Bhavana not Bhavana Nuyutta Sutta, mental development discourse. Right, you can see why. <laughs> Mahayanists and, Ver and Vajrayanas change things because this is uh, Indic uh, Buddhism, early Buddhism, Pali Canon Buddhism, Theravadan Buddhism. Um, these were scholarly people, and this is uh, Abhidhamma. This is all Abhidhamma. So the integration of Abhidhamma and Sutta Pitaka or um, Sutta Nipata suttas and their Abhidhamma Pitaka commentaries that then get us into 37 qualities conducive to enlightenment and this other sutta, Mental Development Discourse from Anguttara Nikaya. The Buddha is recorded as saying, quote, and this is uh, translated by Jnana Tara and Bhikkhu Bodhi. Good stuff. Monks, Although a monk who does not apply himself to the meditative development of his mind may wish, oh, that my mind might be free from the taints of non-clinging, meaning non-upadana, yet his mind will not be freed. For what reason? Because he has not developed his mind, one has to say. Not developed it in what? Meaning, not developed how? In the four foundations of mindfulness, the four right kinds of striving, the four bases of success, the five spiritual faculties, the five spiritual powers, the seven factors of enlightenment, and the noble eightfold path. That total is 37. And there's a little note here that uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi said, the presentation of the seven sets in a graded sequence might convey the impression that they constitute seven successive stages of practice, this, however, would be a misinterpretation. So we don't have to worry about start with this and end with that, but all. Close consideration of the series would show that the seven sets are rank, ranked in a numerically ascending order from four to eight. That's it. Which means that their arrangement is purely pedagogic, pedagogic meaning, um, in this case, literary, and implies nothing about a later set being more advanced than the earlier sets, by presenting the course of practice from different angles, in different keys, and with different degrees of detail, the texts are able to finally modulate the practice of the path to suit the diverse needs of the people to be trained. There are very few people who even want to think like that, or the people who think like that, they're normally in the New World Order think tanks, or in the military think tanks, tanking <laughs> and preparing for a bad future. But. Uh, this is very important stuff, and um, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's all important, right? And whatever, whatever is helpful to you right now is very important. And whatever is helpful for others right now that may not be helpful to us is still important to them. And it's important to me that it's helpful to you, at best. <laughs> Maybe if you're attacking me, I won't find the same feeling, 
that it's important to me, that it's important to you because you're helping yourself and that's great. If you attack me, I may not feel so sympathetic. But if it's important, and what is important? What is important is what, what generates positive change, improvement, what leads to long-term welfare and benefit. That's what's right. Sama, or right, like the eight rights or the eightfold path, is that which uh, brings long-term welfare and benefit. And so I realize we're at an hour. <laughs> but let me just um, knock these out for you, and um, you'll just get a sense of what's going on, and then um, I'll try to wrap it up in ten minutes here. There are four establishments or foundations of mindfulness, and it's therefore focusing awareness or heart chakra, attentiveness, to body feelings or sensations in the body, mental states and mental qualities, which are different. Basically, mental emotional process and general qualities of mind that may or may not have a discrete thinking feeling in play. Mindfulness needs to be to all of that. It's pretty, particularly mindfulness of body-mind. Then, four right exertions, and that's the same, which we did, sama padana, the four types. Four types of exertion, or padana. Exertion four, preventing unskillful states to arise, meaning uh, where you know you'll be, you're going to be triggered, you might try to avoid when you need to, when you can. When it's right to avoid, avoid where you're going to fall. <laughs> avoid the pothole right over there, unless you want to fall in it. Exertion for abandoning already arisen unskillful states, meaning when you fall into the pothole, uh, you probably should get out. And that's very much associated with uh, the seven um, bojanga, or factors of enlightenment, as I said. The, particularly the unskillful states associated with too high, too low bipolarity. Um, when we're already stuck, or when we realize we're stuck by mindfulness, there are ways out. Exertion for arising of skillful states, which also means doing what you know is good for you. If I'm in, you know, what should I do now? Well, I'm going to do what's good for me. But, but that's a very private, personal, intimate matter, because what's good for me today may not be tomorrow, and what's good for me now may not be, won't be, three hours from now. And what's good for me may be wrong for you, what's good for you may be wrong or harmful for me, and... Um, you know, all desires are, are right for the entity at the right time if they can not get stuck. And so this is more subtle. And that was the arising of skillful states also pertains to the seven enlightenment factors. Then exertion for sustaining increasing arisen skillful states, meaning keep it going. Uh, and know what's... What, what, what states... I mean, like love wisdom, right? <laughs> um knowing where when I'm when I'm in green blue indigo what does it mean and continuing that or uh, feeding feeding uh, the good spirit then <clears throat> four bases of magical or mental or supernatural power uh, which is uh, will but will is not actually willpower it's actually um, focused intention and I Oh my God! Maybe I should do another four, another week here. Well, maybe I will. Okay. 
there will be Padana Sutta Part 4, because each of these additional sets of factors um, have various qualities that can be translated in different ways. Chanda as the um, Pali basis for the translation will as this base of magical, mental, and supernatural power, which is also basically mental power, okay? Whether you're doing cities or not, meaning magical activity. Will is critical, but it isn't really will power like force. It's actually um, clear, focused intentionality and commitment or conviction even. Then there's energy and consciousness and skill of analysis which, um, again, I'm, I will do a fourth class, oh well. Five spiritual faculties happen to be the same as the five strengths, and these are actually uh, where I want to focus next week. Uh, conviction, which is also translated as faith, and they're very different. Well, not very different, but they are different. Energy, again, mindfulness, again, concentration, unification. It's a very useful alternate translation of samadhi as unification. And then wisdom or panya, also translated sometimes as discernment, but in this case I don't think it is, or it may be, but um, panya can be translated as discernment, panya can be translated as wisdom. Mm. So these five spiritual faculties are the same as the five strengths, and they're common to all the sets. That's the point. They are the the core um, bodhi, bodhyanga, in some sense, to me, uh, five, these five strengths or spiritual faculties are critical to the path. Then we have the same seven factors of enlightenment, which we went through, the Noble Eightfold Path, which here you see they translate samaditi as right understanding. And no, no, it's really right view. Now, right view will lead to right understanding. But view is theory, and uh, who's teaching, or what teaching. And so, <laughs> there's Bashar's Diti, and um, <clears throat> um, Abraham Hicks, and Sai Baba, and Nityananda, and Ajahn Lee Damodaro, and Ajahn Ta, and Tanisaro, and Ramatero, and Heraclitus. So they all have diti. They all have their view or theory or teaching. Um, which is right? Well, the ones that work well for you now are right for you now. But if we're talking about going all the way to full seven chakra transformation or seven chakra perfection, they don't all do that. And that's important. So then the noble eightfold path. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> we will focus... Uh, next week in here and I'll just give up the uh, anxiety, restlessness of uh, this uh, of trying to complete the work um, I'll have to sit with it longer and longer down the page and the last matter for today there's <laughs> very useful uh, chart of a table table one Five qualities mentioned 28 times across the seven sets of qualities conducive to enlightenment, based on Vishuddhi Maga. Uh, so, this is hardcore Abhidhamma here. And um, 
Buddhism, the development of mental qualities or mind training is not just meditation, and it's not even just the morality of Panchashila or right speech, right action, right livelihood, but the development through <clears throat> which which points to pointed to by all these sets, particularly of the five qualities: faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, wisdom. And that's what I want to focus on. Faith is Srada, which is also conviction. Energy is Virya, which um, is also associated with Vairagya, I will say, meaning <clears throat> dropping uh, what's unnecessary. Mindfulness is the key to everything, which is heart chakra, hmm. which is not just uh, non-grasping attentiveness, but open heart-mind uh, being with um, our distortions and your distortions and the emptiness of distortion and positive qualities and change and impermanence, uh, being with it um, and being with our inability to be with, being with our own blockages, that too. Concentration, samadhi, wisdom, prajna, uh, pajna, prajna or panya, uh, those five are key, and they're in many of they're in they're all in many of the sets, and that's what I think I want to focus on next time. Uh, these five qualities, which just so happen to be the same as the five spiritual faculties, five strengths. Five is an important number. <clears throat> the uh, heart of the seven rays are chakras two, three, four, five, six. The chakras of consciousness as I'd say. Uh, personal consciousness 2-3, transpersonal consciousness 4-5, both of which are dualistic, meaning <clears throat> personal below the diaphragm chakras 2-3 are obviously dualistic, me and you, or body, mind, and differentiated. Chakras 4-5 are also dualistic, meaning um, love versus non-love, or wisdom versus ignorance. Uh, transpersonal mind consciousness qualities, and then six being the first chakra, the chakra of higher self, or unified self, or unity, or law of one, or um, awareness um, that physical, that there is metaphysical, and physical and metaphysical are identical, uh, inseparable, as Ra said. <clears throat> That's a deeper development of six ray. These are the five chakras of consciousness in which uh, conscious working occurs. The work of unblocking and balancing and coordinating, particularly. Um, that five is is somewhat associated with this five, these two fives. Pancha Indriya, like the god Indriya, and Pancha Bala, or strengths. Uh, these five critical qualities um, from which all sorts, of, in, in out of which are related to uh, all other, all sorts of other mm, positive qualities of mind are associated. So, I hope that was helpful. And uh, at one eleven oh one, so thank you for being here. <laughs> yes, next week we will do Padana Sutta number four, and focus in on these five spiritual faculties or strengths or qualities that are key to the path. Uh, I hope it's been good for you, baby. I hope it's been good for me too. I guess it was. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time and good night. <laughs>